Hey ladies, this is Keisha Nate. Now it's time to get real. Hey fam. Now hopefully when you read the title of this week's episode, you instantly started singing the Beyonce single ladies chorus and shaking your hips a little bit. I know I did. And I may or may not still be shaking my hips a little bit. Now I am a Beyonce fan. I'm not a card-carrying member of the Beehive because that's just way too intense for me. I am not here to go after people who post pics of B when she doesn't look very flattering. I am not here to attack people on social media in an attempt to fight B's battles. Nah, I just really enjoy her music, mostly her older stuff, but I admire her work ethic. And this chick can put on a show. Every concert I've attended, I have danced for two solid hours because she has danced for two solid hours. Now, honestly, the only kind of working out I'm doing is the one that sneaks up on you in the form of dancing. So I know that I burn a good 2000 calories at any Beyonce concert, but that's neither here nor there. I digress. So We are not actually going to discuss singleness, but a much broader topic of identity. Now, listen, if you feel duped by the title versus topic change up, yeah, you're not alone. I was too. I truly believe that this podcast is an assignment from the Lord. And since it's his assignment, I have a responsibility to follow up with him on a weekly basis to do a pulse check to make sure we're both on the same page. I have several show topics lined up and I submit them to the Lord each week. And in case you're wondering, so far we are one for three in maintaining the original topics. I don't think he liked my stuff, but that's okay. We're going to work with it. So back to the bait and switch topic. Singleness, not singleness. Okay, so remember when I warned you about the movie lines always running through my mind? Um, Yeah, so in saying singleness, not singleness, I have no clue why, but I was instantly reminded of the scene in Color Purple where Celie discovers that the man she thought was her father actually wasn't, and she says, Paul, not Paul. Get it? Oh, (laughs) okay. Guess you just had to be there. Moving on. So just so you are aware, I am single by divorce. I have no children. I am allergic to these tiny terrorists. And I minister across multiple contexts, inside church, outside the local church. Um, The funny thing about my singleness is I have been divorced for 12 years and the Lord just doesn't seem to want to let me have a date. It is ridiculous. So recently, I think he felt a little pity for me and he allowed me to have a few dates. Dot 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 while in quarantine. Now, honestly, I really did have a good time. I appreciated the spontaneity and the creativity of the young fellow who planned the dates based on social distancing requirements. But as quickly as the date started, they stopped. So what have we learned, boys and girls? Clearly, all it takes for Keisha Nate to get a date is to have the perfect blend of a global pandemic, a financial crisis, civil unrest. Okay, got it. Y'all, my dating future does not look bright at all, but I digress. 
So my ministry focus has been almost exclusively to women over the past 10 years. And there have been three areas I have found in my own life and in the lives of the ladies to whom I minister where identity is commonly misplaced. And those three areas are marital status, motherhood, and ministry. Now, just so we're on the same page, singleness is not a curse from God. It's a commitment to God. Marriage is not the highest blessing of the Lord. It is an invitation for sanctification. Motherhood is not the epitome of womanhood. It's part of being a woman for some women. And ministry is not done only by those who wear the title of minister. It should be part of the daily rhythms of your life. Now, I made these statements because oftentimes our identity is subconsciously wrapped around an ideal or the role that we play. Identity is both based on and formed in the context of relationship. Identity defines who you are and it gives you a reason to live. As believers in Jesus, our identity should be rooted in Christ. The relationship that defines you and gives you a reason to live should be your relationship with Jesus. What I've discovered in finding your identity with Christ is that it's not a one-time exercise. We have to be intentional about creating space to get to know Jesus and be known by him. And in that space, we are being taught about ourselves by Holy Spirit. We have to be committed to allowing him to strip away our false identity. And that is a hard process. Around 10 years ago, nearly to the date, I remember vividly when I realized I was struggling with my identity. I didn't have my lucrative career I once had. I wasn't a certified public accountant, a CPA, which was part of my career ambition. I wasn't a wife anymore. I didn't own a home anymore. I was very frustrated with every part of my life. But you know what God did? God used those frustrations to reveal my heart. I was holding on to the life and an image that I had built around the name that I was trying to make for myself in the world. My heart was full of idols. God was beginning the process of dismantling my idols. Now, here's the hard truth. A lack of identity is always rooted in a love of idols. Our hearts are constant idol makers. Our hearts want what they want when they want it. And most of the time, it's at the expense of what God has created and designed for us. Psalms 37 and 4 is often quoted out of context and with the wrong application. This verse says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The first part is often neglected. We don't talk about what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. So let me talk about it. To delight yourself in the Lord is to take a high degree of pleasure or mental satisfaction in the Lord. Now, that can't happen if you don't spend time with him. Delighting implies that you have spiritually matured enough to welcome the waiting that's part of the relationship with the Lord, because you know he's working on the plan that he has for your life. Having the desires of your heart doesn't mean you will have what your selfish and self-centered heart wants. I know that may sound harsh, but I'm speaking to myself as well when I say this. Now, right here is when we run into another problem 
with our scripture quoting culture. We exclude the first part of verse four and we don't continue to verse five, which says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do it. So let me quote Psalms 37, four through five, because they go together like peas and carrots, as my friend Boris Gump would say. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him also, and he will do it. The more you trust in God, your heart's desires are replaced by his desires for you. Sometimes your desires are in alignment with his, but if your motivation is off, committing your way to him will realign your heart's motivation and will give you what he wanted you to have. Trust is the application of our faith. We have to learn to trust the heart of God. We have to learn to trust the heart of God. And when you trust God, you get these six P's. Yes, I made them up, but it's true. So you get presence, you get provision, you get pausing, you get peace, you get posture, you get plan. So presence, he is always with you. Provision, he always covers your need. Pausing. He causes you to wait on him. Peace. He asks you to be still in your waiting. Posture. He expects you to listen for what's next. Plan. He uses the previous P's to prepare you for his plan. What a mighty God we serve that he would do such an incredible work on our behalf to simply prepare us for what he has already prepared for us. What? Okay. Okay. So the plan that God has prepared for you will not take root if your identity is shaky at best, unknown at worst, and thus rooted in the love of idols. Jimmy Needham is a Christian artist who has a song named Clear the Stage, and he perfectly describes how sneaky idols are. He says, anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. Anything I give all my love is an idol. So let's just pause and say, did any idols come to mind? This song is super convicting and I really do encourage you to listen to it. It's about clearing the stage and setting the scene for God to have his way. And God cannot have his way if idols are standing in his way. Idols are the best mask, but not in a good way. These surgical N95 and or cloth masks to combat the spread of COVID-19 ain't got nothing on the mask that idols create. Now, barring the COVID mask, we all know the purpose of a mask. It's worn to conceal a person's identity. So your true self just might be hidden behind your mask. And that means it's behind your idol. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Okay, so back to 10 years ago. The awakening of identity issues almost always presents itself as a crossroad. Discovering your true identity places you on a path that leads to your purpose. So my crossroads was my career versus this very real tug I had on my heart as I was teaching Bible studies at my church. 
I didn't know of another accountant who loved teaching the Bible like I did. And I had questions like, am I crazy? What am I out here doing? And so I remember being in a seminary level course at my church in Georgia. Um, And let me just pause and say, this church did Christian education well. It did not matter where you were in your spiritual growth. If you were a babe in Christ, we had something for you. If you thought you were advanced in Christ, we had something for you and everything in between. So I was at this seminary level course at my church in Georgia, and it was on transformational teaching principles. And so we were placed in groups of threes, and I was in a group of three women. And each lady had the opportunity to lead our group over a three-week period. So I was the first to lead our discussion on calling. I allowed the other two ladies to go first because I saw them walk in their calling. And I knew they would rattle off what God has called them to do and wired them to do and created them to do effortlessly. And they did. Well, it was my turn. And, uh... I was completely prepared to say I was clueless about my calling because I was clueless about my calling. I opened my mouth and what came out was my calling is to coach and develop people. Wait, what? Who, Who said that? Now, that was literally the first time I'd heard that. I was taken aback. I remember going to my car once the class ended and I was crying my eyes out because I knew, I knew the Lord had just spoken on my behalf. It was overwhelming. It was humbling. It was exciting. It was scary. I literally felt all the feels. And so now it was time to pray. So I specifically asked the Lord to help me reconcile my vocation with my calling. Now, if I'm honest with myself, That was the first time I'd prayed about what God wanted to do with my life because I always had a plan for my life. Um, I was in the habit of deciding what I was going to do, and then I just asked the Lord to bless it. Oh, my bad. That's just me. Okay, let me keep going. Um, But a few weeks later, I got in my car um, on my way to lunch, and I heard this pastor that I normally don't listen to say, You have to abandon your vocation for your calling. Y'all, can we just say that that knocked a pause in me? Listen, my feet were stuck. I couldn't move, just like Celie. I couldn't. So I'm in between this high because I know the Lord has spoken again and this low of still being very frustrated with my life. And so I decided to talk it over with the woman who had discipled me. And so we're on this call and I am venting my frustrations to her. I remember nearly yelling in frustration. I don't know who I am. And she very calmly told me, you should go to seminary. Well, that escalated quickly. I remember thinking, what in the heck does that have to do with the price of tea in China. Lady, I'm telling you that I don't know who I am and your off-the-wall suggestion is to go to school? (sighs) Sigh. Inhale. Exhale. Now, even though I was even more frustrated by her random suggestion, I trusted her spirit. I had been walking with her for five years at this point. 
and I may not have understood, but I knew that she was led to say exactly what she did, but I wasn't prepared to do anything with her suggestion. So right here, literally in my timeline of figuring out my identity and walking towards my purpose, let's insert a mission trip because this actually happened. So insert a mission trip to Durban, South Africa. That wrecked me. Y'all wrecked me. I have never been around people who genuinely love the Lord with everything they had. We were at a church and this church literally had no walls. It was just a concrete slab. And these people worship Jesus in a way that I had never encountered in America in my life. It was so authentic. It was so earth shattering. It was awe inspiring. And what I knew was that when I came home, I could not keep saying no to the very real promptings of the Lord. And so I got back to the U.S. and I started researching seminaries. And I remember researching a seminary and the first one that came up is one that's in Dallas, Texas. Now, remember, I'm living in Georgia at the time and moving back home was absolutely out of the question. So like any good researcher, I was on to the next. So I ended up applying for a school in Georgia. I was accepted and it just didn't feel right. Now, as background. I would listen to Christian talk radio on my commute to and from work every day. So shortly after getting the acceptance letter, the Lord spoke again. This time through the people I listen to every single day. So every day over the next five days, I kid you not. Someone mentioned this school in Dallas that I had previously ignored, which was the first one in my seminary search. Remember? People attended this school. They had mentors at this school, hosted conferences at this school. That class that I took on transformational teaching principles, the person who wrote the book that I just fell in love with was a graduate of this school. And I'm like, okay. I had been listening to this particular station for months. Ain't nobody say nothing about this school before. So... Round about day five, I said, Lord, do you want me to go to Dallas? And so I applied for this school. I was accepted and I moved back to Texas in less than three months. So when I started seminary in 2011, I hated when people would ask me what I did. I had wrapped my identity around being an accounting consultant. And honestly, I didn't know who I was. So to ask me what I did was to ask me who I was, and I didn't have an answer for either one of them. Remember, I said having a false identity stripped is hard work. Y'all, it's a process. So my uncle, whom I love dearly, is a pragmatist. So he was there when I graduated with my bachelor's and my master's in accounting. He cheered me on when I landed my dream job as an auditor in a major public accounting firm. And so when I told him I was pursuing a master's in Christian education, his first question was, what are you going to do with that? Basically, how are you going to monetize a degree that you're spending thousands to obtain that doesn't appear to be in alignment with anything you've done over the past decade? (sighs) Sigh. His question stung, and I know he didn't intend for it to, 
but my identity was so wrapped around being in the accounting arena, I couldn't see how in the world this random degree would help me in accounting at all. So as I look back on the process of obtaining my second master's, what became very clear is that degree wasn't about me learning theology, though I did. It wasn't about learning Koine Greek, though I did. It wasn't about learning church history, though I did. It was about learning the heart of God and discovering who I am in Christ. It was about finding my identity. Identity is not about what you do. It's about who you are. Let me be clear. You will always be discovering who you are on different levels. The woman I am today is not the same woman I was 10 years ago or last year or last week for that matter. Well, I thought I was done with seminary, but God had other plans. So now when my loving uncle asked me what I'm going to do with my doctorate in educational ministry, I honestly say I have no clue what God has planned, but I plan to be obedient. I see glimpses of the plan that he's writing, but I am intentional to not get ahead of him and try to write my own part in this plan. Nope, not doing it. And whenever I think about the hard process of stripping false identity and discovering a new one, I'm always reminded of Jacob. Jacob had a history of being a deceiver. After years of being deceived by his father-in-law Laban, we find him in Genesis 32 looking less and less like a deceiver. I truly believe it's the favor and the kindness of the Lord that began to change Jacob's heart while he was serving his father-in-law. It's important to note that heart changes don't happen overnight. As a matter of fact, Jacob's heart was softened over a 20-year period with his father-in-law. Jacob had deceived his older brother, and they were about to meet for the first time in years. And he was afraid, but he prayed instead of plotting. He submitted to God before he strategized. Jacob wrestled literally at the threshold of his promise. Do you realize that there will always be a struggle with you and God, not the enemy, as you cross over to what he has promised for you? When you enter your path of purpose, the struggle is always going to be one of identity. And hear me clearly, it's not with the enemy. It is with God. Jacob wrestled with God. God caused him to be physically weakened. Jacob surrendered. Jacob won. (laughs) Wait, what? In a fight, the one who surrenders doesn't win. In God's economy, when we surrender, we win. (laughs) When we lose, we win. (laughs) When we lose, there is strength because he comes and he makes up the difference. That's the God that we serve. So Jacob's identity was changed from deceiver to one who has striven with God and man and prevailed. When we truly encounter God, we are changed. So it's time to do business with the Lord. Spend some time with Holy Spirit and ask him to show you your heart. Do you have any idols that have taken root of which you're not aware? Is your identity in what you do versus who and whose you are? If so, fear not. The Lord is ready to start the healing and deliverance process. Well, that's it. And that's all. Until the next time, ladies, be good to you. 
Rewarding Encounters Authentic Life, Real, is a program of Encounter Ministries International, a 501c3 ministry that exists to disciple and empower ladies to walk boldly and confidently in who they are becoming in the Lord. It is our hope that as you listen, you are able to engage the heart of the Lord in a real and fresh way. He's always speaking, and prayerfully, you are ready or continuing to listen. Until the next time, keep it real, ladies.